And boom, we are live for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here today, of course, with Dr. Bear Lando from AlphaVedic. Today, we've got a really cool topic and an awesome guest on. Um, Austrian film director P.A. Straubinger is a graduate with honors from the renowned University of, <clears throat> of Music and Performing Arts in Vienna. He has more than two decades of experience as a journalist for the Austrian Broadcasting Corporation. And in the 1990s, his interest in transpersonal psychology led to intensive practice in yoga and meditation. A personal encounter in the spring of 2000 awakened his interest in the strange topic of breatharianism. He met a meditation teacher who allegedly had not eaten for more than a year. He's still skeptical. He started a 10-year journey of research from around the globe on this topic, searching for traces of evidence and skeptical scrutiny of this human mystery. 200 hours of footage were edited in, into the 90-minute feature documentary, In the Beginning, There Was Light. It premiered at the International Film Festival in Cannes and became one of the most influential and successful feature documentaries in Austrian cinema history. When it was shown in prime time on national television, viewership outnumbered Hollywood blockbusters like Harry Potter. This then led to a huge public discussion. So very excited to have PA on today because this is a topic that uh, we, we bring up a lot on our Alpha Cast, and it's something that really resonates with us because we explain a lot of the science behind why breatharianism, in fact, is a real thing. And for those who haven't seen the film, we will link it in the show notes and drop it in the chat here. But uh, welcome, PA. Great to have you on today. Hey, thank you, Mike. Thanks a lot for the invitation. I'm looking forward and to discuss with you a lot of the stuff that is really interesting surrounding the topic of preferianism. Yes, for and sure. Peter, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I've watched your, uh, uh, your video and enjoyed it very much. It's a topic that, you know, we have delved into quite a bit and and I know it's evening your time. You've already had a full day, so uh, you're very generous being here with us, and we sure appreciate it. So, uh, just anxious to hear about your whole journey. Uh, you know, not only making the film, but what you learned from it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward for your questions. Uh, should I uh, start talking? Why I did it, and uh, what happened? How how should we do it? Well, that could be a good start. Um, curious of. I kind of gave a quick summary there, but what led you down the path towards breatharianism? Because many people have never even heard of that, what that is. And, uh, and uh, I believe it's also called, what is it, Inadia in, 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 uh, in the Vedic circles. I mean, this goes back thousands of years, and there's multiple traditions of breatharianism. But, you know, give us a little insight into what drew you down this pathway here. Absolutely. So, uh, as you said, uh, it's a topic that is not very popular. And I have to admit, in the 90s, I saw a documentary about the Swiss national saint, Nicolas of Fleur. Mm. And I saw in this documentary, they said that uh, he lived the last 20 years of his life without eating and drinking. And by then, I, I thought this is just a Catholic myth and it's just a made-up story. And I also have to say that uh, by then, I had a quite closed-minded view of the world. I believe that all these stories, biology and physics, told me how 
the world works are true. So I thought it's just nonsense. But I, I got interested in, in meditation and yoga and so on. And, and as you said, in uh, the spring of 2000, I met a meditation teacher, an Austrian meditation teacher. And I, I learned a special meditation technique. And after a few weeks, I heard from other students. They said, do you know that this guy doesn't eat? And so I asked him if this is true. And uh, he said, yes, he did this strange process and he did not eat for more than a year. He just drinks water. So uh, it sounded quite uh, believable. But on the other hand, I thought, you know, if, if this is true, why aren't there dozens of uh, scientific studies and why aren't there uh, thousands of, of uh, articles and newspapers about it because everybody is, is making fun of this topic. So there, there was a, a kind of uh, uh, controversy in, in my own head, you know, I, I'm, my, my heart believed it in a way, it, it sounded credible, but my head said, you know, this can't just be. Because, of course, there are uh, thousands of people starving every day. And I also have to say, uh, a lot of people died trying to, to do this 21-day process. And so this is true, of course, as well. But still, this sounded for me credible. So I started... Uh, doing research on my own. And I saw uh, this, this uh, breatharianism topic isn't something that was invented by esoterics in the 1990s, but this is something you find all over the world, in, in all cultures, through all times. In, in China, they call it bigu, for example, bigu fuji, which means without bread, but directly through chi. And I got familiar with this, uh, with this idea of, of life energy that they call prana in India. And I, I mean, probably you, as an Ayurvedic uh, specialist, you, you probably know a lot about it. And I found out that Western science just isn't dealing with this concept of life energy. And that life energy is the biggest mystery we, we have on, on this planet. And that living directly from this mysterious energy is something you, you find in a lot of people, also in Christian saints. And this has nothing to do with ideology or religion because there are also people who who are not meditation gurus or something there's for example uh, a woman in in bavaria she she got sick at the age of 12 years and then she didn't eat anymore she was just drinking water she, she never had the urge of, of uh, giving out a message to the world. She was just living that way. And the king of Bavaria, they, they uh, invited uh, her to, to a hospital in, in Munich. And the doctors just found out that 
this seems to be true. And nowadays we also have these studies. In, in my film, you, you see this, this study about uh, Yogi Praladyani. He, he, it, it's said that he, he didn't eat and drink for the last 70 years. I mean, it, it seems completely crazy. But there, wa there was a study with him at the uh, Sterling Hospital in, in Ahmedabad in India. And the, the Indian military was involved in this study. And there were dozens of doctors and they had video monitoring all the time. And they found that in these uh, 10 and 15 days, there were two studies. He didn't eat, he didn't drink, and he didn't urinate. So not uh, eating for 15 days is no problem for anybody. And probably it, it's not even a problem for a lot of us not drinking for 10 days. But what is really uh, inconceivable for classical science is that somebody isn't drinking and urinating for the 10 days or for 15 days, because then you start intoxicating yourself. So, of course, we have no proof that this guy didn't eat for 70 years and didn't drink for 70 years, because there's just no scientific proof. But uh, seeing that this guy didn't eat and drink and urinate for 15 days and he had stable blood counts, shows that there is something to it. It's, it's a strong indication. And the longest study we have is on Hiro Ratan Manik, the sun gazer, the, the father of, of sun gazing. He uh, was in this study uh, on a zero calorie diet for 410 days, just drinking water. Uh, he lost 19 kilos during this time. And this, of course, isn't the proof that it's possible to live completely without food, but it shows there is a lot more possible than we can imagine. And later on, we will see that the reason why some breatharians often underperform in, this, in these studies is that they are locked in rooms and they get air from the air condition and because we will see and later on we will talk about that that these people of course are also nourished they they are not completely independent from the surroundings but they they are nourished uh in 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 a different way actually we all are living on light but some more some less I, in, in Austria, I, I, I wrote a very successful book about intermittent fasting. And actually, in, it, it came out in, in 2019, and we are the most successful book of the year because intermittent fasting, at least in Austria, I think in the States, it, it's similar, it's going through the roof. And in this book, I tried to explain my, my readers that we are all living on light to a certain extent. There is this calorie myth and people think that we are just some kind of combustion engine that you have to fill with fuel and you mix it with oxygen and then the energy comes out. But 
it's so much more complicated. And the interesting thing is that when you look at the uh, human energy balance and you, you compare direct and indirect calorimetry, so you look how much oxygen goes in and how much carbon dioxide goes out and calculate the theoretical amount of energy and compare it with the actually produced energy, you see there are a lot of differences. And in the already in the 1970s, there was a, a, a study published in Nature, the, the most renowned scientific journal in the world. And there was, it was an article published in 1972 uh, with the name, How Much Food Does Man Require? And the bottom line of this article is, we do not know. Because it differs from person to person and from situation to situation. I mean, everybody knows this. this. There are people who, who, eat, uh, who, who can really eat a lot, like me, for example, and they do not gain weight. And there are others who, who eat very little and, and they gain weight. So it's... it's, it's Actually, it's obvious that the caloric theory doesn't work, but it's so strong. The idea is so strong that people still think in terms of calories. And in the 1980s, there was Dr. Paul Webb. He, he was a researcher for NASA. And Dr. Paul Webb uh, did... Uh, a, a very, very sophisticated measurement of the human energy balance. And what he found out was that in completely normal people, up to 25% of the energy, you cannot explain calorically. So we are not speaking about breatharians here. We are speaking about people like you and me. Mm -hmm. And in this study, he also found out that the less calories we, we take in, the higher is this unmeasured energy. This energy you, you cannot explain calorically. And you see this when you do fasting, that in the first few days, you lose a lot of weight, and then the curve is getting flatter and flatter. So your your it, it's not like in a in a in a car. You know, if if you uh, drive for hundred miles, then uh, the, the you will need more fuel. But for some reason, the the human body is capable of of changing this, and suddenly he he needs less calories. But where is the energy coming from? And this is the interesting question now. Where is the coming the energy from? Because the classical idea is that we get all our life energy by burning, burning calories, by oxidation of glucose. And it comes out that this is only a small part of the truth. And, and this is what, what I try to tell uh, the people, that we are all living on light to a certain extent. And we, we, we have, uh, we, we are flex, uh, flexible, probably 
not all people are able to uh, practice breatharianism and stop eating completely. And actually, I have to admit, of course, I do not know if this is really possible. If Pralajani really uh, didn't eat and drink for 70 years, the only one who knows is he himself. But what these people tell us and all the studies we have is that there is so much more possible than, than we can imagine. And that life energy is a big mystery and where we get the life energy from is a mystery. And that classical science has no idea about it. Classical science cannot produce one single living cell from dead matter. So life energy is a big mystery. So we can allow ourselves to look into uh, these Eastern medical uh, traditions who, who tell us more about life energy and what is life energy. And we can allow ourselves to, to look into uh, fringe parts of science like the biophoton research. And... Yeah, we can talk about that later. I'm, I'm, I'm talking now uh, a lot. Do you have any questions or, or should we? I mean, I'll let Bear jump in here, but we can take this uh, a thousand different places because yeah. we talk about literally the science that explains why this works all the time here. And uh, Bear, you want to jump in? Uh, let me just say one thing real quick. Yeah. With, with main, mainstream science, like if you go to Wikipedia and you're just learning about this right now, the way the system's built is you're exactly right, PA. You're going to be immediately deterred from this because there's Snopes, you know, poo-pooing these ideas. If you go to Wikipedia, breatharianism is considered a deadly pseudoscience by scientists and medical professionals, and so several adherents of these practices have died from starvation or dehydration. It is an established fact that humans require food and water to survive. So... What we talk about a lot too is that you know the universe is a we live in a mental universe where literally the the thought forms that we create as consciousness creates the actual physical representation in the simulation. And without getting too off track here, when we as these con as consciousness are ingrained with these ideas, immediately breatharianism goes out the window. So we already have a massive uphill battle, as you say, because science doesn't have the full picture with the way science currently works in the materialistic point of view to even approach this subject properly. So then we're forced to go to the mystical sides of the Eastern traditions, which also aren't totally getting the full picture because of their more generic mystical representations of it. So it's up to people like us to take it all together and create the new science that can help explain this and help people open up to these ideas that we are pure consciousness and we can control the physicality through our own, through the mental plane. Bear, I'll let you take it from there. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the mystical side of things that you described, um, it's only mystical to, I think, the Western mind because we're using terminologies and metaphors from other cultures in the Eastern part of the world that um, you know had a whole different mindset uh, and belief system, and therefore a whole different experience. So, and also uh, develops certain uh, abilities that are innate in all of us, where they could see things firsthand in a different way that we don't believe exist, and we don't believe that they exist only because we never 
do the practices in the same way. Uh, one thing I'd like to share with you, Peter, is uh, one of the laboratory assessments that I do uh, with clients that you know I help out with health conditions. It's called biological ionization analysis, and it was developed by a gentleman by the name of Kerry Reams. Now, Kerry Reams lived in America in the Midwest in the early 1900s. And you could think of him as the Tesla of biology. He was truly one of these uh, rare individuals that come along every few hundred years and really understood uh, on another whole level, but also is very grounded in his background in uh, science. And he started out in soil science, but uh, applied these same principles uh, to human biology. And now people, a handful of us that are aware of these techniques um, you know, are still practicing this to analyze people's health. So here's how it goes. Um, we extrapolate elements from uh, laboratory samples from fluids from people's bodies. And without elaborating more on how that's done, what we then do is we take these elements and we can put them in a mathematical uh, computation and then create ratios. And from that, understand the electrical properties that are created in the body by way of the proportion of these elements. Now, what we do, uh, even though we're looking at chemical elements, we understand that it's creating an electrical line of resistance. And what we also understand is when you can get this line of resistance in a body adjusted, and we have techniques to do that, then people regain their health and a lot of marvelous things happen because we're looking at the body as an electrical uh, um, uh, uh, electricity rather than chemistry. Now, what Kerry Reams found, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, what many of us in the field have found also, is that he stated early on that eighty percent of a person's nutritional needs are derived directly from the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And he had ways of explaining on why that was so. Now, when he developed his testing, he found that when he made the adjustments to improve that uh, line of electrical resistance, which means the more you get fine-tuned, then the more that electrical system uh, you know, um, is more efficient in providing for your needs, then you need less nutrition. And also what you bring into your body creates less toxic effects and, and, and work and so forth. And he further surmised that the 20% uh, of uh, nutrition that people derive from food is actually uh, a very crude way of, uh, in a very toxic way really, of uh, developing or deriving energy that is then used to jumpstart those mechanisms that allow us to get the, the the final 80%, the majority of our energy needs directly from the atmosphere. And so when you take a person and successfully improve their line of resistance, uh, create that, uh, it's like a zero point energy effect. You know, the more uh, tuned up you become, then you actually get more efficient at driving direct from the atmosphere with less and less need for food. So uh, that system has been around for decades. Uh, a few of us have actually employed it in clinical medicine. It works, and 
you definitely see uh, greater efficiency in people's physiology and, and, and uh, way to derive their needs in the first place. So I wanted to share that with you because that is a real evidence-based system that I think uh, lends credence to breatharianism and how uh, it's possible for an individual to get to the point where they don't need crude foodstuffs at all. And in fact, um, we theorize, uh, I haven't seen it myself, I see people regain their health, but uh, we theorize, uh, theorize that if a person's line of resistance came to a perfection, and we actually have the numerical uh, uh, numbers as far as uh, what it would require for a person to get in the perfect proportions where not only would you not age in the traditional way, but you wouldn't need any food for at all. So that's what we, uh, you know, just based on our experience so far and uh, how we see people's health improve. So just wanted to share that with you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I think it's very important to, to get explanations because as long as, as, as humans, as, as we don't have some kind of explanation, it's so hard for us to, to see it, to understand it. Uh, the, I interviewed a scientist and said, we, what we cannot explain, we cannot see. At least it's this way in science. So if, if you just have facts, they're just saying it, it cannot be true, it does not ex exist. But the good thing is that we have now uh, first explanations. And w w what you just told me uh, uh, reminds me of a few explanations I got. And one is biophoton research by, by Fritz Albert Pop. You, you, you are familiar with it? Yes. So, uh, sh should I talk about it, or is, is, is this something? Oh, absolutely. Whatever you think is relevant, because this is, uh, I, I think you find so, out more than anybody else in this field. So, uh, biophotons are actually something that isn't controversial. It's a very weak light radiation we found in all living cells. And when these cells die, this radiation disappears. It's actually the light of life. And Fritz Albert Pop, he, he's one of the pioneers and he, he continued the work of Wilhelm Reich. Wilhelm Reich who, who uh, gave the name organ for life energy. And you know, Wilhelm Reich, he, he first, wore, uh, his books were burned by the Nazis, then he fled to the United States and then the Food and Drug Administration. <laughs> burned his books because his, his ideas were so radical. But uh, what he said was there has to be some life energy. What is this life energy? And biophoton research is, is one of these explanations. And uh, so we have in all living cells, we can see the, these biophotons. And when the cell dies, this light energy disappears. And Fritz Albert Pop says the light is coming basically from the sun. The sun is emitting information. This, this weak radiation is the carrier of information, of coherence, of coherent information. And this, this coherent information is stored in plants and then in animals. And when we eat the food, when we eat the plants and the animals, 
we, we basically take this light. Fritz Albert Popp is saying, when we look, for example, at the chemical formula of sugar, you can, you, you, it's, it's getting transformed into water and carbon dioxide, like the, the material substances. Both water and carbon dioxide leave the body. What stays is the light. So the light, the information is the important thing. Of course, there are material substances involved and, and, and physical processes, but behind these processes, there are information processes which are important because when, when you when you look at, at the living cell, the material substances are not important. What is important is the life energy and the consciousness. Dean Radin from the, from the university, uh, from the Institute Noetics. of Noetic uh, Sciences says, what is consciousness? Consciousness is an ordering principle. And if this ordering principle leaves the body, it quickly falls apart in, in its non-interesting material substances. And so, so what is important is information and order. And it seems that we get this, this order through light. And there, there was an, an, another eye-opening experience when... In 2013, I got a, a letter from Professor Gerald Pollack from the University of Washington. Do you know him? Uh, not sure. You, you should get him on the sh uh, on the show. He he's fantastic. What what he's is his uh, what is his name again? Gerald Pollack, Professor Gerald Pollack. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm vaguely aware of his work. He's he's a he's a specialist for water. And uh, uh, yeah, and he found a force face of water. So uh, in in 2013, I I got this this mail from him, and he said, uh, "Can I watch your film?" And I sent him the the, the English copy, and uh, he was mesmerized. He said, and 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 then he said to me, "You know, I have an explanation how this works." And yeah. What he found out is that there is a force face of water beside vapor, liquid, and, and solid. And this force face of water is our body water. And it has uh, a different chemical formula. It's, it's not H2O, it's H3O2. So it has a, an additional... Uh, 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 how do you call it? O, uh, o in in the air, oxygen. Oxygen. <laughs> oxygen. <laughs> so there is an additional oxygen, and uh, what follows is that there it, it has not only a, a different chemical formula but also different physical properties. It's negatively charged, and he says that that. Uh, this this force face of water is able to absorb ra ra radiation from the surroundings, and nature is negatively charged. There is, for example, this this guy in the states, uh, the the earthing pioneer, who says we have to go barefoot because mm -hmm. we, 
we need to absorb the negative charge of the earth that there are studies about it yeah, it's like the negative ions right now with my salt exactly. lamp here and flowing water and all that negative ions and this was really a missing link in my whole research because in in when i was in perhaps you you remember the the interview in china when mm -hmm. when when I interviewed these, these Kung Fu masters about Bigu, and this, this Kung Fu master says, you know, you shouldn't practice Bigu in the cities, because in the cities, the chi fields are not ordered, and you should practice Bigu only where you have ordered chi fields and a lot of negatively charged ions. And when I did the interview, I didn't understand this because there was this Kung Fu master in, in the middle of China and he mm -hmm. was talking to me about negatively charged ions. I just didn't get it by then. But with this research of, of Charles Pollock, finally it made sense because this was really something all the guys told me when, when you remember the Alpine yogi. In, in my film. He says when he's in Vienna, in the city, he needs a liter of, uh, of soy milk in the evening. But when he is in nature, he can live off air and water and... Uh, yeah, that guy's really cool. Yeah, yeah. He, he's saying this in really simple word, but it, 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 it's basically the, the, the truth that Chell Pollock said, that you need this negatively charged ion. In, in, in normal rooms, you have a lot of positive charge. Uh, it, when you get air from the air condition, you have positive charge. So now it, it, it made sense why all these studies, when, when they, they, they locked in Hira Ratanmanek for 410 days, he lost 19 kilos. And uh, also uh, Praladiani, lost a little weight but now it made sense why they underperform in these studies because they are locked in rooms they are not in contact with nature they they don't get these uh, these this uh, charge and it's like proving how sailing works in an indoor swimming pool if there is no wind it mm -hmm. just can't work so uh, it's a very complex topic and i think there is electricity like you already says there is radiation there is the sun but also consciousness there is inner light and outer light we are living off because the the consciousness topic we can create order ourselves the reason why meditation is so powerful and why most of the people who, who uh, uh, do breatharianism in a in a intensive way they they all had some kind of uh, epiphany or they 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 do meditation or something because they create this inner order as well you you you, you can you you can create an inner it's also called inner light in 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 in, in india they they have this uh, word kundalini energy kundalini energy is the divine form of prana yep. the life energy so there are a lot of clues you you need to to 
to to get this and that the, there are still a lot of mysteries but science has the problem if they don't have an explanation the only explanation they they have is this has to be a fake or this uh, is nonsense and of course there's a, a lot of nonsense around but the the topic of protheranism you, you you cannot discuss in black and white there is not three times eating a day and not eating at all there are thousands of steps in between and i always try to 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 make people understand that we are all living of light so uh, it, it's not about stopping eating but understanding that uh, consciousness and uh, life energy are the most important elements of, of our being because the the material processes yes they are there but they are not not the most important thing yeah i mean and i think you hit the nail on the head in terms of um nature and uh you know the uh, qigong master up in the forest pulling the energy literally out of the of nature with the negative ions and we can break it down into the more particle based physics and stuff, but also just looking at it in terms of informational fields and pulling those fields out of nature itself versus in a, you know, more of a city where we see general health deteriorate when you're in a place full of uh, concrete and um, lacking uh, clean air and, and, and good, uh, you know, those negatively charged ions and all that. Um, that makes that's just like common sense too, you know. So when these guys are brought into some sort of case study in a hospital or something, yeah, they're not being able to pull that nutrition um, out of those nutritional fields, those informational fields, if you will. So of course they need to. It would be great to see someone do a, a study in their natural place where they're yeah. doing this, you know. Um, and I think we would yeah. get a lot more out of that. One thing too, quickly here on the inner light. Something I've been obsessed with of late, and I'm getting back into it, is doing like the out-of-body experience work and stuff and getting into the astral plane and all that. And I know that's like way different level, but I'm reading um, Robert Monroe's book right now, Journeys Out of the Body. And um, he, he was fantastic because he was an American who was doing more of a scientific approach and was able to really easily get out of body, and he called it his second body. But um, they talk about that, how there's like, uh, you know, uh, developing, there's beings that they go out in the astral world and pull nutrition out of their inner light that they create with their own consciousness. So that ability to, I mean, there's just so much that we're just learning now in terms of where we get this energy from. But in the end, once again, you know, it's all consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a, there's a level of waveform physics that was, uh, brought forth by a gentleman by the name of Walter Russell and, and others as well, but he was the best at laying it all out and then demonstrating it technologically and in other ways. And um, he uh, understood that all of what we consider physical are simply the results of uh, electrical polarization events that emanate directly from intelligent consciousness in the first place. And uh, it's a two-cycle affair, which we won't get too much into that. 
but in what we think of as physical, it's one side of the equation where those informational fields, which are actually those represent those electrical polarizations, uh, they stratify and then um, compress into vibrations that then register on our consciousness and create an entire three-dimensional simulation that we call physical. So then he went further and delineated how the entire periodic table of elements uh, are actually different angulations according to uh, uh, on different positions um, on these waveforms that emanate from these same electrical impulses. And so uh, pretty much proved for those that delve deep, deep enough into his work that there's nothing physical about our universe in the first place. So when we try to break it up into particles, all we're seeing or materialistic elements, what we're actually doing is just um, trying to describe what our senses or our uh, technological extensions of our uh, senses are reporting to us, you know, like uh, microscopes and such. And But in reality, those two are part of the same electrical polarization events directly from consciousness. So you can't really, you have to take those with a grain of salt too. It's all part of the same three-dimensional representation of pure consciousness. So going a step further, uh, when people get to that level of what we would consider spiritual development, all we're simply doing is seeing through the simulation for what it is and reconciling that part of our mental plane experience that has a strong belief system that we have to consume our environment or do anything physical in the first place in order to survive. And you go into the Shaolin temples and places where they uh, deprogram themselves uh, to a substantial amount. Uh, they were able to be free of these belief, belief systems that then would necessarily have to register as their experience as far as needing food or needing anything because they understood that they were co-creators in the process and uh, simply had to um, project by that uh, direct form of consciousness what they wanted to experience in their body, in their worlds, and needed very little or none at all uh, what we think of as physical to sustain ourselves. You know, when I was watching your video, it struck me right away when I saw some of the test subjects in hospital rooms uh, before, and I was glad that the, you know, they, they came to the same conclusion, but it immediately hit me. It's, well, of course, there's going to be variations. You're in a closed up room. You're cut off from nature. How can, you know, how can that possibly duplicate uh, somebody who's living a natural, authentic lifestyle and, and deriving, you know, directly from energy when you're cut off from it. And there's a, another gentleman uh, I just want to mention real quick, and I want to let you take over. His name is Ernst Lecker, and he was an uh, Austrian physicist. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, how is he called? Ernst, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, Ernst Lecker, L-E-C-H-E-R. Uh, interesting. Oh, Ernst Lacher. Oh, okay. Thank you. So he um, was an engineer and he developed an instrument. It's a dual impedance instrument. And uh, he, we just call it the Lecker instrument. Uh, 
Yeah. And um, what it is, and in fact, I can show it to you because uh, I use it every day in medicine and, and, and uh, also with soil science and because you can read those energies that emanate from energy uh, from nature uh, and because it mimics uh, nature's normal way of receiving and transmitting information for instance we have DNA in our bodies all living things do plants do and um, DNA is a dual strand just like this now that what he developed was the ability to uh, have a slide that then picks up these energies uh, directly from the atmosphere, no different than what Tesla was doing when he was able to derive energy directly without any electronics or, or any other means. So when you're talking about earthing and that sort of thing, uh, what we do is, for instance, if I want to see if a person is um, receiving proper grounding energy from the bottom up, then I set this to eight because we know that's, uh, that represents that level of energy coming from the earth. And then I can also see if, he's, uh, if an individual is receiving, you know, what we would think more energy from the atmosphere, or the cosmos, whatever. And then that would be uh, set on 12. And then we'd uh, further have a lot of other computations. And there's many, uh, you know, almost infinite number of... Uh, numbers and, and gradations in between and then we can see if, if uh, both energies are meeting in this person in a balanced way we can also then test uh, the energies that's like the north south pole and you'd have to default back to walter russell and his understanding of waveform mechanics because everything is actually an electrical wave and then we also understand there's other phenomena that are not just the north-south uh, pole that's created by the ground influence and, and the atmosphere above, but there's also an east-west uh, polarity, and that represents other forces that are way too much for this discussion. And then we measure those, and we can see, therefore, if in a person the, the polarity is coming from east-west, north-south, or symmetrical, and uh, when they're not, then we can determine the reasons why that's so. Then we can make adjustments with the modalities that we employ in medicine and our type of medicine and bring, you know, a symmetry back into that individual and uh, also make them help them be more efficient in receiving those energies from all those different angles. And um, Barry, go ahead. What is the, the instrument measuring? It's measuring the actual, the finer impulses that uh, what you mentioned in earthing, for instance. Those are energies that are of a much uh, more subtle and uh, refined level than, say, what's coming out of our wall sockets for electricity. Unfortunately, our electronics and a lot of uh, uh, instrumentation that's designed to read energy fields, uh, even in holistic medicine, I used to use a lot of uh, instruments from Germany, but they were, uh, you know, interfacing with some form of electronics or um, or computer software, which would override a lot of these finer impulses. So you'd get kind of an extrapolated reading of sort of what was going on, but it didn't have the ability to directly receive these impulses that are literally surrounding an animating our whole experience in the first place so uh there's really not a name for those energies other than it's what 
Ernst Lecker, Lecker uh, understood to develop the instrument. It's what Tesla understood. It's what Walter Russell understood. And he was a contemporary of Tesla. And, you know, they had a lot of communication back and forth. So this is a well-known phenomena. And I, I think it's, uh, of course, not in the mainstream because it would really create a wrinkle in a lot of... Um, vested interest, uh, you know, in medicine and engineering that don't want <clears throat> the more advanced technologies uh, to exist because it would be bad for business. It would also be bad for people that like to control other people because if we really understood what people in the other world knew that we have more of a role in our own uh, life process and we were ever led to believe then we would be less dependent on them we would be harder to control so uh, that's in fact why a lot of these simple technologies have not come to light but I just thought it was uh, uh, really directly involved with our discussion and how something like breatharianism is uh, you know actually possible and the things that you're discussing in your video and our whole discussion here is based on a lot of again what michael said initially mystical concepts like prana and terminologies from other cultures but the fact is is uh, those are real we can measure them and we can also intervene in ways uh, to uh, uh, manipulate or, or make modifications in an individual or in plant life for farming and get much better results. And you notice too, that's an analog instrument, not digital. And so it's, uh, that's what's so special about it too, is as, as Bear said, it's not getting a, uh, a reading like through a computer where you're getting a representation with zeros and ones, you're getting the real actual data and that's something that we talk about too, getting back to analog and away from digital, because that's the true nature of reality. Cool. And what, what throws people about, sorry, go ahead, Peter. I'm looking forward to, to do research on that. That's really interesting because I, okay. I never heard of this. Interview. A fellow countryman with, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what throws people about this is it's so simple and it does require an interface of a person that has to develop a feel and, and, and understand how, you know, what it's doing and how to use it. So it's more of a technology that requires a conscious communication between the practitioner and the instrument itself. Uh, but you have to understand also this is not a plaything or make-believe because to this day it's used in fields of engineering uh, you know, where people will use this, where they plan to build a skyscraper or, or a bridge and, and to read the ley lines in the land and, and other conditions that would, uh, you know, allow them to understand if it was a favorable location to build things. Uh, there's an institute in Paris um, where uh, some uh, French scientists and medics have adapted it to, and these are medical doctors, where they adapted it to uh, biological evaluation and for medicine and the individual and um, the Paris Institute was awarded uh, the highest honor uh, of French science for innovation uh, you know and pushing science to the next level so these are real things and they should be discussions you know that everybody should be aware of and uh, and I just think uh, you know really would help people uh, believe that something like breatharianism is possible.
And like you say, it's not about eating or not eating food. It's just understanding the nature of our true uh, selves. Yeah, consciousness. That's that's yes. really the, the the point. I I got awarded the prize of for biggest nonsense of the year two thousand eleven <laughs> from the Skeptics Society in Austria and, and Germany, and that was what I told them. This this uh, film is not about eating or not eating. It, it's about questioning the materialistic beliefs. This system they believe is the truth and nothing but the truth. And I said but I'm not the only one questioning this belief system because the founder of modern physics did it, Max Planck. And, yes. and, and I, I finished with the famous quote of Max Planck and, and that's the bridge to what you said before, Max Planck said, as a scientist who, who was dealing his whole life with the research on matter, he can say as much about matter that matter as such does not exist. Behind matter, there there is a, 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 consci a, a conscious mind and this mind is the matrix of all matter. Because w w what we find is that this idea of little balls spinning around and making up matter, it's, it's an outdated idea. It, it was until I did research for, for, in the beginning there was light, that I, I found out that the atom model of Niels Bohr that we find in all school books is outdated since 1926. This idea of, of little balls that are electrons spinning around uh, protons and, and neutrons, it's, it's an outdated idea because matter is actually uh, by vibrating energy. And uh, I interviewed Amit Goswami, the, the quantum physicist as well, and, and he, he, he said this, what, what you said before, the solidity of matter is uh, an, an illusion of our, our senses. And I, I think this is a wonderful bridge to, to Indian philosophy uh, which says that the material creation is Maya, the big illusion, and that we, we the big illusion is, is 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 so big and so strong because we we connect via our senses with it, with it, and 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 the reason why why yogis. Uh, want to withdraw their senses is because then they can look behind the Maya, the, the big illusion. But w when you understand that matter is vibrating energy, then suddenly all these uh, supernatural phenomena suddenly get more conceivable. Going through a wall, for example. I, I mean, I never did it, but there are a lot of, there is a lot of interesting evidence. And Amit Goswami says there is a supernatural phenomena fulfill all criteria, all scientific criteria. The only scientific the, the, uh, criteria they do not fulfill is repli uh, repli replicability. Is that did I say it correct? Yeah, because but in 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 when you go into quantum physics, there is nothing like replicability. Uh, and and uranium atom never decays the same way twice. Uh, 
in, in quantum physics, you, the, there is only probability how it probably will happen, but it can be completely different. And I think this idea of an objective reality is, is also an, an idea that gets outdated more and more. It's, it's like an idea from the 17th century, like, like this idea that we are combustion engines. And the, the good thing is that science brings us more and more evidence that these this old ideas are just outdated. They, they were and, useful 300 years ago, but now we need new ideas. And uh, we, 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 I always say the most important thing is our own experience. And if I experience something, this is the most important thing, no matter if science is telling me this is possible or not. It's, it's just a story. And consciousness creates... Consciousness creates moment-by-moment uh, moment representations of yeah. what those thoughts are, you know, polarizing into electrical events. And it's a, it's a, it's a dual electrical hydraulic pump, so to speak, where on one side we're compressing informational fields into those vibrations that register to our senses and simultaneously those informational fields are radiating. So it's, it's literally a hydraulic pump that goes in both directions simultaneously. The Shen masters would understand that. Uh, the rest of us are hypnotized into the compression side, which allows us to only experience the compressed data in its crude uh, vibrations that do register to our senses. And also those informational fields compress in a stratified fashion which gives incremental effects, which then we experience as time. So a Shen master who sees through all that uh, becomes the director, writer, and producer of their own movie moment by moment. So if, it, if a Shen master walks through a wall, they're not walking through a wall because they know the wall's not there in the first place. They know they aren't there in the first place, but observers are going to see them project the next frame of their experience on the other side of the wall. So it looks like they're walking through a wall. Yeah. So meanwhile, those of us that are, uh, you know, caught up in, you know, what we term as the, the superstition of materialism are trying to, you know, scratch our heads, say, how the heck do you walk through something solid? Well, it's not solid. It's not there the way we think it is in the first place. And one last comment about food. You know, the reason why food is a very, I love food. I'm Italian, you know, <laughs> and I still eat and all that sort of thing. I do practice regular fasting and love it. But, you know, we're, you know, again, the name of the game isn't trying to be a breatharian or trying to be anything else. It's just having the experience that we need for our own evolution. But food, when you think about it in terms of our discussion of just the electrical effects of creation, um, when you kill an animal or even kill a plant for that matter, now that uh, plant or, or that living thing is, is now cut off from the very force it animated it into the simulation in the first place. So when we eat it, we're eating the after effects, the, the, the residual vibrations, but it's no longer part of the source that, source that was making it uh, you know, grow and thrive in the first place. And, uh, of course, the moral of the story is, is if we could somehow 
tap into that energy that was animating the animal in the first place uh, rather than eating the dead carcass or the dead plant. Uh, you know, we, we do much better. And plants, of course, we found that when we eat them and they're a life form, you know, very quickly after we pick them, so they're still uh, more life force. And, and there's definitely going to be more life force than there is in dead flesh. And I'm not saying anybody has to be a vegetarian or anything, but it's just a fact that there's more life force in a freshly picked plant. And that's why people have found that uh, uh, live food diets seem to really improve their health because they're getting more of that residual energy or prana, whatever you want to think about it, than than if you're eating overly cooked foods or an abundance of flesh foods. Absolutely. Uh, 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 Not Sineda Baranova, but there there is a... Russian author, she wrote a book, uh, We Eat Ourselves to Death. And she, she says exactly that this idea of, of calories again uh, is, is, is wrong because if you uh, eat fresh food, then you, you lead, need very little energy and thrive. And so it, it's not a question of, of calories, but how much energy is in the food. And it has a lot of to do again with life energy. If it's fresh, and then there is a lot of, of life energy in it. And I, I absolutely agree with you uh, that it's it's not good to have ideology. Uh, you know, you, you have to be vegan or anything because we have different level of, of, of consciousness. And I also want to 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 warn to to drive for example breatharianism because uh then i'm more spiritual or, or anything because then it's just a matter of the ego and, and then it it really can be dangerous so in 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 my film uh also this pigou master says that uh, if if you just try to do this because you heard that somebody else is doing it, then it can be really dangerous. And uh, spiritual ambition is is a dangerous thing. But if if it happens as a, a byproduct naturally, wonderful. Uh, I, I think that's the best diet for for yourself and 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 the surrounding you can have because that's the most direct if if you're connected to the source and live off the source i mean that's the best you can do yeah and imagine all the time it'll free you up when you're not so focused on worrying about food all the time um you 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 you, when your show did you have uh jaz muheen correct was she featured in the documentary she's yeah, a yeah. notable yeah so she's the person who's been really pushing the was it the 21 days to breatharianism yeah. and there were some people that i don't know if it was directly because of her but there were some people that died correct from trying to follow well, that because of her of course but there, there were a, a few people who died and of of course this this can be dangerous if you force yourself to stop eating you probably will die because you you have to listen to your your body and and be very very careful with it and 
I, I think it's it's of, of course it's a matter of freedom, but uh, you, you can experience that also in fasting, for example, and play with yourself, like also in with intermittent fasting. Yet that you just experience uh, the, the the freedom from from food, not in an extreme way, but like in a day to day basis. And see, I, I, I don't have to eat three times a day. It's it's enough. If I eat once, for example, and I still have enough energy and I, I still don't lose weight, because if you lose weight, if you lose energy, if you get sick, please, please start eating. Please start drinking. Because oh, yeah. we, it's we like any, I mean, it's like anything with developing your consciousness. If you're coming from a place, like for me, I'm getting into trail, ultra trail running right now. Well, not so much ultra, just about trail running. And I see these guys running these 100-mile ultra trails. That'd be like if I decided to just jump in and do a hundred mile, I might die. I mean, you know, that's, those are the extremes and it's, they're powerful. It's a powerful narrative because it shows the power of the human will and the power of the human mentality that we can pretty much do anything if we put our mind to it. But just like the fractal nature of the universe, you can't just immediately do it. You have to go through the, the, the analog, uh, you know, increments of growth to get to that point. So just jumping into a 21-day no, no food, no water without having – sure, you're right. Some people could do that because they've developed the consciousness and the means already without, in their day-to-day -day lives to do that. But if you're just an average Joe living on McDonald's and uh, watching you know, sports and doing that thing, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're on that level of consciousness and all of a sudden you have an awakening and you go, I want to become a breatharian, and just jump right into not eating or drinking, you're probably going to have some challenges. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was my point of bringing that up, is that obviously with the, the way media works these days and how they just jump onto these black and white notions of, um, you know, uh, uh, of covering a story, they're going to, of course, jump on like, this person died, breatharianism is dangerous, because they don't understand the nuance of the reality that we live in. <laughs> that, you know, everything's got to be so black and white these days. Um, yeah. And so, you know, look back to the great um, story of the Garden of Eden, right? Originally, if you look at that story, man was on in Gaia here, which is the garden planet. They weren't, man and woman wasn't eating. It wasn't until the apple that led to the fall. And they were just existing in pure energy and pure love. And then it was the eating the apple that was brought by the snake. And we know that whole story. So we've been told this through, through eons that, you know, the true nature of, of our existence is pure energy, pure light, pure love. And as we fell and became that falling isn't necessarily a moral thing or anything. It just has to do with reality. The reality of the density of our physical expression currently is that, you know, biologically we have developed these mechanisms to, to have this experience by digesting food and all that. Um, this does lead to one of the questions that I had and Matt had, Matthew had in the chat, and something as I follow a breatharian here in the States, I don't know if you know of him, Elatom Elamine. Oh, says, I love him. I love Elatom. Okay. You know, I met him at the Pranic Festival. He's such a great guy. I love Elatom. Interesting. We're trying to get him on the show, actually. Um, that was actually a question I have. So you've met in person yeah, a real yeah. breatharian. What was your feeling from meeting him? 
did he seem legit just from your own like personal feeling from you know your intuition from meeting someone like him i just can say i i i really loved being around him you know i i, mm -hmm. I slept uh, the, the next next room to to him and i i thought he's a really nice nice guy and what was also interesting by then i, I did an interview with him and he was speaking about celibacy and i i thought this is uh because Celib celibacy Cel uh, how, do, how do you pronounce it uh, celibacy so in other words refraining from sexual interaction or um, because yeah. he's, he's doing that and you know normally when you think about celibacy you always think oh that's horrible the priests and and they are cutting them away from life and and, <laughs> and it was so funny when i interviewed uh, eliton about celibacy because he said you know it's so great and, and he doesn't have problems with women anymore and it, it's fantastic and he's so free and so uh, it's the same with food actually because if if you are in a state of mind when you say okay I, I food is the biggest pleasure I have in life or sex is the biggest pleasure I, I have in life of course, then it's horrible if, if, if you don't get it. But if you make yourself free from, from it, then it's wonderful because you, you lose a lot of dependencies. You, you, you gain a lot of time. All the breatharians, they, they, most of the time, they sleep very little. So they, they, they gain a lot of time. And yeah. I just can say that I spent, I think, two or three days with Elitam, and yeah, I really loved being around him. Cool. Yeah. He, so I, I follow him, and he's had some controversy of late with women, actually. I don't want to get into it, but, and I don't know. I, I don't pay attention to that. But um, what, what, what did he say? Oh, there's been some controversy <laughs> with, with women um, uh, coming out of recently. One of them in LA who said that she, he attacked her and he's a sexual predator. Really? So, you know, yeah. So with these with these types, these guru types, you see that a lot, and it's another Absolutely. question of humanity and stuff. And that that, and, that happens a lot. You know, that's that's like uh, the famous uh, the famous guy uh, in L.A. who was doing the um, the hot yoga. When whenever a guru appears, soon some students. I, I I think they attract each other, gurus and 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 people who who are misused by gurus. You know, I don't know if Alitom has to do anything with with that, but you know, yep. you see it in, in all religions and ashrams and the cult of personality. Yeah, gu gurus are humans. And so that's, uh, uh, that tells us what the parable of the apple and Adam and Eve in the garden was really about, huh? <laughs> but anyway, uh, just go ahead. There, there is this uh, saying, and this was something I, I didn't experience this with, uh, with Elitom, but uh, with, with other uh, people that Hildegard von Bingen says that fasting um, is nearly making all 
all parts of the of the human character better there is only one thing that deteriorates and that is the hybris the ego and that is really something i experienced with a a, a lot of uh people which are into breatharianism and that they, they they get a very big ego and I, I, I don't want to in, get into details. And well, actually, it's like it's like Bikram, the famous. I was trying to, who I was remembering Bikram. You know, the famous yeah. yogi who came to L.A. in the seventies or sixties yeah. and invented this whole story about himself. With uh, was it Nixon? And now they're saying that's not true. And there's a documentary that recently came out, and he was a sexual predator. I mean, it's pretty much been proven now, um, and he's been on the go. So I think you're right. No matter what, there's a human psychological part in this in this matrix that we're in and that when our culture elevates people to these like almost godlike positions yeah. oftentimes they're human and they you know um the sexuality thing is a we know is a powerful universal force is yeah. sexuality and reading this book about uh, out-of-body experiences he, it's interesting he talks about how the when you go to the astral plane the first level that you have to get through is all these souls that are there that are kind of like lost and it's all sexual and so he has to break through that and there's like all the male masculine feminine whatever energies coming at him all sexual and then once you break through that you get through that and then you get more of the elevated consciousness so i think sexual in in the whole idea of celibacy does make a lot of sense because we know like for men especially you lose a lot of your energy and power when you ejaculate and there's yeah. a whole tradition of not ejaculating with the uh, tantric Absolutely. so do you, do you know more about because this is really something i i tried to do a documentary about sexuality but i i finally didn't do it and that was the reason why i interviewed Elitone. but the the reason why I didn't do it because I I I didn't came to a point where I, I started understanding because exactly this this is the point now is it is it helpful to to not ejaculate or uh, do you cut off yourself from the life force I have no idea. I you know, I, I think it's, uh, there's, there's techniques and not just tantric, but, you know, when I was uh, back learning martial arts long ago, I ran into this uh, guy from Taiwan, um, um, Thailand, uh, his name was Mantak Chia, before he got really well known. And um, I thought I was going to be learning some martial arts techniques, but he uh, taught me what's called the microcosmic orbit. And then how to apply that to sexual energy. So just like eating, you know, you don't want to just stop eating. You know, you might want to take up intermittent fasting, things like that, which are good tools to kind of find yourself and, and, you know, just go along with your own process and not try to be anywhere, you know, that's radical and extraordinary for yourself. So with the uh, practice of circulating your sexual energy, you're not um, being celibate. But when you are having sex, what you do then is you understand how in a meditative process, even when you're with a partner, um, to, you know, bring the energy up through the, the spine, you know, the, in oriental medicine, you know, the back channels, uh, the governing vessel, and then up, you know, then down the, 
conception vessel and then circulate it. Then you can get really fancy and start circulating it to your limbs. They call that the extended cycle. Then you can do the heavenly cycle, which now you're projecting that energy when it gets to the top of your head, you know, into your higher uh, electronic body and then mingling it there and bringing it. So basically you have uh, something where you're using sex as a vehicle in order to experience that energy in other ways than just building up the pressure in your pelvic area where it's going to have to explode sooner or later. And the neat thing about it is, is you get less attached with practice of having to um, expel the energy that way. And you also learn that it feels kind of neat to have that energy, uh, you know, when it's in different parts of your body and consciousness and how to mingle it with your partner and circulate each other's energy through your you know, um, you know, your energy systems, because, you know, you can do that uh, consciously with a partner that's also trained in it. So uh, you could think of that as uh, intermittent fasting for sex. And uh, for males, especially who do lose a lot of uh, life force, you know, every time they emit fluids, it's a good way to, um, you know, just uh, really have a firsthand experience as far as how that energy feels when it's, uh, you know, circulating in your whole body and, and gradually you kind of, uh, you don't become non-sexual, not at all because sexual energy is the most primal force in the universe. And even Walter Russell in his physics, uh, talks about how every thought form creates a polarization, which is then constantly trying to unify with the, the opposite polarity to find balance. And so sex is a wonderful vehicle. We just have attachments about it like food. Uh, I think it's just a matter of learning different ways to use it, lose the attachments and use it, uh, you know, to further our understanding about everything. Um, yeah, uh, just for the average guy, just stopping having sex, guaranteed it's, uh, <laughs> you're going to have some blowback eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to come back on you. And if you're just celibate and you're being a guru and then you have, you know, uh, uh, you know, some little, you know, young honey, you know, throw herself at you, you know, you're going to, you're going to find out real quick, uh, you know, if you have any attachments left. Yeah. 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 And do you know uh, about uh, studies uh, about life energy or how the energy in, 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 in the body uh, uh, develops with ejaculation and non-ejaculation because I found nothing about it. You know, I, I just know about the ideas of Tantra and so on, but I didn't find out about any scientific studies about this topic. Yeah, the, the my my experience is confined to the martial arts world. Now, uh, they would argue strenuously that Tantra can have inherent dangers because what you're doing is simply uh, elevating the energy up the mainline channels exclusively to your head. And that can create some issues in your health, uh, in your psychology. And, you know, you may not be ready for that. However, the microcosmic orbit, what you're doing is you're circulating into a complete circuit and then ending back into what we in martial arts call the Dantian, which is, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, kind of in, in, in the middle of your body, right below the belly button. And in martial arts, you want to cultivate that energy because that becomes your center of power that not only do you physically move around that little center of power, but it's also you drive the energy you need to do things that would 
be considered phenomenal for the average person that's never built up that energy. So now the sexual energy, you always bring it, you know, around full circle and then build your reservoir in the Don Tien area. So you're not just exclusively bringing the energy into the upper centers that might blow out uh, you know, those, those, uh, you, you know, the areas in the, in the pineal and the crown chakra, if you're not ready to go there. So the microcosmic orbit, I think just from experience and from the explanations I got from the start are very, um, very much safer, more practical, and I think have a much higher degree of success in many ways. So th this is really interesting, but I actually had the problem that the, 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 there are a lot of concepts in, in, in Eastern uh, traditions, but I didn't find any, any scientific clues about this. You know, the only thing you hear, it's, it's good to ejaculate a lot because it's cleaning uh, the body. <laughs> that, that's the only thing I, I, I found from western science so yeah and well, just consider that with every time you emit fluid how many i mean if if each one of those uh little creatures in there were to find a, a hospitable place you could populate the planet you know many times over with one ejaculation that's i mean just think about it logically that's a lot of energy well, there's also a lot and of, uh, isn't there also a lot of uh, nutrients and stuff that are hard to get? Was it selenium? Or I know there's some things that are in uh, male ejaculate that are not so easy to, to replenish. This, this would be an interesting topic. I mean, of course, you could say, you know, if, if you get a lot of energy, if you eat a lot of energy, it's no problem. And it's like a circle and, and you, you get a lot in and get a lot out and it's circulating. But, you know, I, I really don't know. This, this would be an interesting topic. So if, if, if you get an expert on this, I will watch this show. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> yeah, but the other, I, the other I thing... I, I did quite a lot of interviews about this, but I never came came to to a place where I really understood it and where I could say now I understand it and it's not just ideology. There's facts, but uh, to 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 make the circle uh, complete, when when I interviewed Ali Tom, what I, I found interesting is that he really enjoyed it. And I, I didn't feel it was just with the priest, just an ideology and, and they get frustrated or uh, stuck in, in, in something, but he really enjoyed it. But it, it, it can be that, yeah, if, if, you are, uh, if you build up a lot of energy and you're around women, somebody ha happens. I, I, I yeah. don't know. You know, I, I just One, can't. Um I just can tell when I was with Ali Tom, I, I really thought he, he's not this uh, guru type with a big ego, but he, he really was grounded and very nice and funny. That was my experience with him. So to switch into one last topic, I'd like to hear your comments about um, years ago, I did the whole sun gazing process and I went through the 44 day cycle where you build up and at the end, you're actually staring into the sun, you know, non without interruption for 44 minutes. And, uh, and I found that, yeah, in fact, you can do that. You don't 
destroy your eyes. Actually, my eyesight improved. I threw away my glasses. And, and of course, the whole understanding is that you're uh, absorbing nutrition directly from the sun. And, uh, and I know you covered that in your video. So um, anything you can share with us about that? Um. I think that there are, I mean, when uh, Hirat Manik says that it's also important that you uh, do walking barefoot. So you, you, you get, uh, I mean, at first it's, it's just an open eye meditation. And the sun is like the best meditation object you can imagine. And... Of course, there's coming energy. There was a study in 2014 showing that uh, the mitochondria in the cells are able to to produce uh, usable energy for from the body through photons. So there is actually something like human photosynthesis. Correct. And yeah, this this makes perfectly sense. I mean, if you are in the sun, you get nourished. And in addition, you pull up inner light by doing this open eye meditation. And here Atan Manik also says walking barefoot is, is important. That is addressing this idea of getting negatively charged ions from the earth. So for me, it, it, it makes sense. Well, mainstream science will say sun gazing will ruin your eyes. The uh, radiation and stuff will I mean, damage uh, your eyes. Important to say that you only should do sun gazing uh, when, when with the sunset, uh, when in uh, Hiratan Manik says in the safe hours. So uh, one hour after the sun goes up and one hour before the sun goes down. So I, whenever I did it, it was directly above the horizon. So yeah. there happens. Yeah, that makes sense. What, Bear, I know you have an experience doing that. Yeah, I was taught, and also I say with my own experience, uh, when you gaze at sunset, it's a different effect. It's more of a out-of-body meditation, so to speak, whereas it's sunrise, it's more nutritive. You just feel like you're absorbing more. And it makes sense because, you know, the rising sun versus the setting sun is a whole different energetic uh, event. Uh, I got to the point where I could actually do it at high noon. And, you know, of course, it's important to kind of squint a little bit, but, you know, still, I, I wouldn't advise anybody to do that, but I tend to use myself as a guinea pig and I found, you know, no problem with it, but it was only after I uh, built up to it. And that again, gives you an entirely different energetic effect, uh, you know, which is very, very powerful, but again, something I wouldn't recommend unless you've really built it up and you know what you're doing. And how's your, um, how's your eyesight? Uh, well, I used to, it was never horrible, but I used to wear glasses and I don't anymore. <laughs> so my eyesight's, it, it, it I'm 70 and my eyesight's better now than when I was 20. Cause I, you know, when wow. I was playing baseball, I used to have to wear glasses. Wow. And, and sun gazing made it better. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. Uh, it was improving little by little over the years, and then that that experience just put it over the top where 
you know, I can see fine at a distance. I can read fine without, you know, reading glasses. Um, wow, that's, that's, that's yeah. really cool. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful meditation. I mean, in Austria, we have the problems that often you just don't see the sun. So it, it <laughs> makes it more difficult. But that, that's really something I, I recommend everybody uh, that we, we don't get a lot of sunlight, a lot of daylight in our modern life and i mean there was the nobel prize uh, 2017 addressing the circadian rhythms uh, saying also how important it is that we get a lot of daylight during the day because then serotonin is produced and when you have enough serotonin you are happy and serotonin produces melatonin then you have a good night's sleep so this is very important and going to the woods so uh, and in both when you are looking at the sun you can do wonderful meditations and then the woods as well and this this connection to nature is so important and in one of my my or our books actually because i wrote it with colleagues we we have these sayings there are three reasons why we are so happy uh, unhappy in in these days mankind because we we are getting disconnected from ourselves we are getting disconnected from nature and we getting disconnected from our fellow man and if, if if we get these connections it's good for us and it's good for my whole mankind definitely and you know walter russell had a great way explaining of how the sun all the suns and you know throughout the the cosmos actually birth the planets and explain the physics behind it and how that happens so the sun has all the informational fields like the dna for every single planet that it creates so we think oh the sun's good for us because you know it stimulates uh, vitamin d production or we got some photons that you know uh, ultraviolet rays and things that are healthy in certain ways but what we're really doing is absorbing uh, the patterns, the informational fields yeah. for all of nature and those waveforms, those informational fields, which is saying the same exact thing, then, you know, we absorb those just like eating a piece of food and it repatterns us uh, to reconform, we'll say, to uh, nature's original patterns before we created all of the the stuff that we overlay the natural patterns with that creates all of our problems yeah it's not it's not just vitamin that's one thing i've been telling people with the whole coronavirus scare is that you know go out and get lots of sun it, it helps your immune system it helps your vitality and it's not just and a lot of people are saying that but a lot of people just relate it to vitamin d and it's this reduction this materialism once again it's much more than vitamin d it yeah, is you know, and information, it's, it's the coherent energy. I mean, co coherence is, is like harmony. We are getting all the harmony we, we need that makes life from the sun. Exactly. We have someone in chat going, please, people, do never look directly at the sun without proper protection. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the indoctrination, as these amateur astronomers telling us right now. And it's then how how has uh, Dr. Lando have better eyesight from doing sun gazing for decades? Come on, people. I mean, think bigger here, please. Absolutely. So, 
anyways, um, you know, one question I have, and you seeing Elatom in person and stuff, this is something that, you know, I'm trying to figure out because we know as people that eat and, and drink, we have a digestive system, we have a colon, we have, you know, all these, all these apparatus in our body that deal with the, with the, with the aspect of eating and, 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 um, excreting and everything. So when those organs aren't being used because someone who is living off prana, did he, did, I would love to know more about what happens to the atrophy or like what happens to these organs as you're not using them anymore. Do you, have you had any insight on that? Um, we know, for example, from from uh, Praladiani, because they they looked at all his organs and they they seemed to work completely normal. In the case of Praladiani, it was the way that they saw in the bladder appearing liquids, and it was reabsorbed from the bladder. So yes. they monitored it all all the time, and this is what they saw. Interesting. And there's some schools have thought. And, and, and Go ahead, cases, Peter. Most breatharians, uh, they drink and they, they drink often juices. So uh, there are very little cases I know who really don't eat and drink nothing at all, who claim this. Most of the so-called breatharians, they have a calorie intake of two, three, four hundred calories a day. And this is actually uh, the amount of calories uh, that uh, these, these Russian doctor says we need. She says we need 500 calories a day and everything else is too much. Well, we, we know there are, there's uh, an epidemic of form of ideology, but uh, it, it addresses this calorie myth, you know, it, because calorie is not the same as a calorie, you know, an, an apple can have the same amount of calories as a glass of Coca-Cola, but there are completely different nutritional values in it. So the calorie is just the wrong... Uh, measurement for the uh, nutritional quality of food. Yeah. One other thing too. In There's the also literature. Uh, sorry, Mike. Go. You oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You're. I was going to take it to another thing, but go ahead. Well, I was just going to comment that there's literature from different cultures that dates way back where they suggest that um, organs like the liver are a de-evolutionary appendage that was developed as we um, kind of fell, so to speak, because at one time the human organism did not need a filtration mechanism uh, or an organ or, you know, have the need for the other things the liver does, which is manufacture certain nutrients and you know, conjugate glycogen and things like that because we were originally designed to live on pure energy, prana. And as we kind of fell in consciousness and, you know, ate that apple, uh, you know, we started necessarily developing, uh, you know, these organ systems and everything to accommodate where we're at. So interesting idea. I, I kind of trust some of those sources where that comes from, but, uh, just thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea because, of course, uh, living on prana is the purest form of food, and then you don't need no filtration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and something else I was going to ask, and now I, I kind of lost my train of thought here, but um, in terms of um, you know dealing with uh, the breatharian notion of the physicality um, in your in your studies, have you you know how many how many breatharians have you actually met in person besides Elatom? Um, and I'm just trying to get a notion of like their energetic vibrance because with the Russian with the there was a Russian scientist that you had on your uh, on the documentary that they were showing those what are those those fields? Oh What's yeah, GDV is fantastic. Uh, I I interviewed Dr. Kordakov again this September, and it's really interesting. GDV works with the Killian effect, but the the Killian effect normally we know from esoteric fairs, but. Uh, it combines the Killian effect uh, with a, a system of meridians and all that stuff. And they produce a digital picture of your life energy. And what was so interesting for me, because I, I, I made an interview with this Russian woman who, who claims that she uh, didn't eat and drink for many years. And I asked her, uh, did you uh, make any scientific studies or did you see doctors and so on? And she said, no, she just went to this doctor who was, works with GDV, with the Killian effect. And so I said, okay, let's go there. I want to see that. And what was interesting for me is that in Russia, they, they use this GDV technique, uh, not in an esoteric uh, 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 relationship, but it was in a normal polyclinic because they, they use it to, to see if, if uh, the, the, the body works well. Uh, because you see problems in the energetic field. And you, you see, for example, uh, over there, there are problems with the kidneys. And if you don't do anything, then this problem in the energy will manifest in the physical body. And this is a very interesting uh, way to, to look at medicine that you prevent the problem from happening. So you are not, uh, you do not have to cure the problem in the physical body, but you first look at the energy field before it manifests physically. So this was first interesting to see. So I went there with, with this woman and they, they made a GDP picture and she had a perfectly rounded energy field. It was perfect. And I, I was filming there. I was was alone. I, I I had all the sound equipment and the camera, and it was really stressful. And so between filming, the doctor says if said or asked me if I also want to make one of these GDB pictures. And so I, I put my fingers there, and I, I got my energy field, and it looked horrible. There were holes everywhere, and it, it was completely messed up and I was um, by then uh, I have to say I do meditation now for 20 years twice a day and I was speaking with him about meditation and he said okay uh, you could meditate for for a minute and do it again so I, I sat there and, and did a one minute meditation and then I, I did it again this picture and the interesting thing was that 
through this one minute meditation, my energy field built up again. So this was very interesting for me to see. And hmm. it, it showed me first that GDV works and second that meditation works. And that through meditation, we, we absorb order and all the, the disorder we create because we, we are in stress and I, I look at all uh, the, the, the electronic stuff, if it works and, and all the stress, is it the right angle and the right picture and that stuff, it creates disorder. But when you sit down and meditate suddenly in, in a minute, it's all in order again. So yeah, that, that's one of the reasons why I meditate twice a day. To Amazing. Yeah, and, and yeah, that, so how do you pronounce that technology again? GDV. Um, GDV? Yeah. Okay, so they're literally like taking a picture of the chi. Uh, no, no, it's, it's like, uh, the G, like George. Oh, G. Like Dora. Okay. And we like, like. GDV. GDV. And okay. So is this. Dr. Coral. Is, is this different than Curlian photography? Uh, yeah, it's, it's different. It uses the Curlian effect with the finger, but. Dr. Korotkov, he, he created a, a, a system how to, to make a digital picture of the human energy field. He, he actually worked for, for the Russian government and they, they used it, for example, on all the Olympics uh, sportsmen in Russia because they had ah. so, so good um, experiences. Because you really see when there are problems in, in certain parts of the body before they, they actually happen. So that's a really interesting technology. When I, when I met him in, in September again, we, we did, uh, for example, he, he showed us what uh, cell phones create in, in our energy field and how they bring disorder in, in the energy field. So it's, it's re really interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's important. That's, you know, something that can help people that are a little bit more hesitant to jump into this stuff to, to start, you know, this is what we're all about here on this channel is merging, you know, these new sciences with the mysticism, because that is where we need to go. Um, as we move towards this understanding of where really what reality is, I, you know, I'm under the belief that we're going to have some sort of event or some sort of mass consciousness movement to where we all evolve towards a higher understanding. I mean, it has to happen. Otherwise, the world's just not going the right direction. And the polarities are becoming more extreme as we're seeing everywhere. So this, this is cool. I'm going to investigate this more because I really I, I love that part of the, your documentary when they got into that because it gives you like a visual representation that you can yeah. see the, the direct effects, like you said, of like even meditating. Um, but uh, yeah, we're coming up on two hours already, guys. It's been a, I could talk about this for, for days. It's one of my favorite topics. And yeah, we're going to probably have to have you back on and, and talk more about all sorts of fun things because you're so insightful. And with all your research and your travels, I mean, you, you could you bring to the table so many different concepts. It's really cool. I mean, we didn't even really get into 
you you were able to go to Northern California here and to the Noetic Institute, right? And yeah, yeah, and, it, it, and that, that was great with with Dean Radin and 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 seeing the research about telepathy and. I, I I didn't even speak about there is a big part in my documentary that or what I filmed what isn't in the documentary because it was too far out there it was the the supernormal studies of the Chinese military they they had in the in the 1980s and beginning of the 90s they had a huge program um, researching uh, talented kids and qigong masters doing teleportation and telekinesis and it's incredible when i when i first heard that i i, I thought this this is like x-men you know they they were <laughs> uh, collecting all these super talented kids from all over china and doing research with them and i had the chance to to interview a few professors uh, and and the scientists who, who did this and they showed me material and it's just incredible but it was it was so far out we we had this in the first uh, cut of of the movie and we did test screenings and it was just too much because people said you know you, you nearly had me believe in breath and now you're you're coming up with uh, teleportation. <laughs> and indigo chill, indigo children, yeah. super soldiers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too much. You know, hold on. So we cut all the stuff out, but it's really interesting. I love it. I am I am so fascinated with parapsychology and and everything like with the staring at goats you know, movie yeah. that the CIA or whatever was doing with remote viewing. I mean, it makes sense. It all is something yeah, I've been really it, into. Hal Putov, who, who was the real guy behind uh, staring at goats. Because it wow. was funny. When when you look at the movie, you think, you know, the the, the script authors, they the, their fantasy went yeah. wild. But, you know, it all happened. It's yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. And it, and, and it all works. I mean, that stuff's real. And, yeah, we'll have to have you back on. Do you have any, uh, are, you, are you working on any current projects or what are you up to right now? At the moment, I'm, I'm writing books because, uh, as, as I said, intermittent fasting went through the roof. And I remember when, when I did in the 2000 uh, years, I, when I did interviews about fasting, all the doctors said, you know, fasting is useless or dangerous. And then the Nobel Prize 2016 came up telling us, you know, fasting creates autophagy and it's the best thing you can do for your body and and suddenly everybody knew it and you know the when we published the book as i told it it was the most successful book of the year in in austria wow so and I, what I, uh, what was that book what's the title is there an english version uh we we just made a translation but it's still not published the 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 translated title you know in, in german it's jungbrunnen effect it's uh the fountain of youth effect how 16 hours of fasting change your life because they found out when you do fasting that uh, your cells age one third uh, slower than when you do not fasting and you don't get alzheimer and cancer and all that stuff yep. so th this is really now something 
where people are open because there is a Nobel Prize for it. And that's like when 200 years ago or 300 years ago, the Pope said it's good, then it's good. And <laughs> I know, right? We yeah. did a, so people that are listening to that, we did a whole show, a whole alpha cast with Dr. Lando on fasting in different modalities from intermittent to longer stretches to something I do. I, I'm kind of a one meal a day guy now. Yeah. And uh, so, and my energy's off the hook. So, um, yeah, um, it's becoming a massive trend here in the States. You're seeing it yeah. with millennials, uh, with YouTube channels all focused on it, and people doing fasting challenges and stuff. And just like the breatharian thing, of course, you don't just jump into it. There's, there's, a, there's a degree of understanding uh, with anything like this, uh, developing your consciousness around it, but um, powerful modalities. And that's cool. I can't wait to see your book get translated or, or if it is already get published so that we can share it with our community because uh, we talk about fasting a lot. So um, are you looking to get into filmmaking? Any more films down the line? At the moment, not. Well, I'm, we, we start our third book now because filmmaking is, is really something that needs so much energy. And like writing a book is like a recreational activity compared to filmmaking. <laughs> There are so many problems when when I when I think back about making this movie, it, it was so exhausting. And now I have two kids. You you saw it. I just don't have time for this. Oh, you know, it's a, the world. I, I went around the globes like I don't know for five times. And well, you did it right. I mean, you actually went to the places in in person, and you didn't take any shortcuts. I mean, that was like a high budget film that you did, and. I, I agree. As someone who used to work in Hollywood, um, it's a very physical and tiring process. And nowadays, you know, where anybody can make a film and the distribution channels are kind of crazy and there's not as much money in it, it is more difficult. So books um, do make a lot of sense as long as you're getting the information out there because you're, you're really great at it. So um, we thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it was, it's been a fantastic talk. Uh, uh, Bear, any parting words for our audience or for Peter here? Nah, just uh, I really enjoyed this, Peter, and thanks again so much for being with us. You're you're great, and I look forward to you know keeping tabs and maybe having another chat someday. And and uh, look forward to your future work. Thanks so much. It was a, a big pleasure, and I love talking with you. And I learned uh, a lot of things. I can do research now about the Lache guy. Uh -huh. and I hope you will do a, a show on, on sexuality. I, I will watch this one for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, we also want to do a show on Wilhelm Reich because we just did, oh, one, yeah. on, we did one on Royal Reich, who uh, is a very similar character, if you're familiar with him, in the United States, and uh, many similar technologies and understanding of microbiology in terms of pleomorphism and all these things we talk about all the time, bioterrain medicine and understanding the energetics of all this stuff. So Wilhelm Reich is someone that uh, uh, I love, and I love his story, and the organite stuff is yeah. huge here. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... Um, we're trying to do this every week and bring this knowledge to, um, you know, to the world and as you are. And um, I felt like, uh, yeah, we had a definite similar bond there in our, in our narratives that we're pushing out here. So once again, PA, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. Um, 
it, for those listening, uh, you can go to our website. We'll do a blog post where we'll put up uh, a link to the documentary. Uh, in the beginning, there was light, which you can watch on Vimeo for like five bucks or something. It's definitely worth it to rent that and watch it. Um, I highly recommend it. It was a, it was, it's a really entertaining movie for one and just packed full of information. And like I said, um, PA literally, he does the work in that film. He goes and he travels all over the world and it's really well done. And also love as a, someone who grew up Catholic and, you know, was an altar server and stuff, seeing that, um, the mysticism in the Catholic tradition was really interesting or in the, in the Christian tradition that there was a, a, there's a great tradition of fasting and not eating with the saints and stuff. So you really tie it all together and it was, it's really wonderfully done. So um, we'll have that in the show notes, the link to that as well as your website and all that. Um, for those that uh, enjoyed this talk, please subscribe here. Uh, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube later, subscribe to us on YouTube and share uh, like the video that really helps us out. Of uh, D Live here. If you're watching, you can join us. We do this every uh, Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on DLive.tv forward slash Alpha Vedic. You can actually join in on the conversation and ask questions and stuff. Please follow us there. And uh, you can get all the information on alphavedic.com, join our mailing list and everything. That's A L F A V E D I C, alphavedic.com. Thanks again, PA. Everyone, have a blessed day and thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>